everybody, welcome back to the Transfer Experience, episode 8, where we're going over what it's like to be at a university as a transfer student. My name is Max. My name's Brielle. My name is Chanyo, I also go by Paul. And today we have a very special guest, my friend Gigi. Hi, I'm Gigi. So I transferred from Solana Community College to University of Southern California. I'm a human bio major on a pre-med track. And we have DJ here today because we wanted to look at like what life is like, you know, private school versus public school, pre-med versus what Brielle Chen Young myself did, and you know, just those general differences. Um, yeah, so we hope it'll be a great episode. We hope you guys enjoy. We also want to remind everybody to help us reach 55 star ratings on Apple Podcasts. And another thing we're trying to get is while you're listening to our podcast, go ahead and screenshot it and tag us on Instagram and we'll give you a shout out in our next episode. Also, one more thing, just, you know, we, we love hearing from you guys. We've only had one question so far, and we hope you guys send us more because we'd love to do like more Q&A stuff. So we take questions via our Instagram or email, and you can reach us at thetransferexperience at gmail.com. Yeah, and I just want to add on that, you know, some of some of our listeners may have noticed, but we've been progressing throughout our podcast in a linear order. Uh, that is, you know, we started from the beginning of community college. We moved on to application and then to the process beyond afterwards. And, we're, you know, we're now at the life of a four-year, what life is like. And so, yeah, the so we've been moving in that fashion. Um, and eventually the end will be on graduation slash post-college life. And we have about 12 episodes planned for this season one. Uh, whether we continue that season, that's up, uh, that's up to us. We don't know yet. But, yeah, so just 12 episodes. So we'll be nearing that. And so, you know, you can expect to hear more about topics related to the four-year institution and internships and jobs and whatnot towards the end and yeah so that's just one thing i wanted to add so for today's check-in question i want to know what are all of y'all's most frequently used emojis and today we learned that the most frequently used emojis are the ones that show up in a vertical column on the left and not across i was like i know for sure i don't use this emoji that much why is it right there turns out it's not even one of my most frequently used so with that would anyone like to tell me your most frequently used emojis i'll go last (laughs) (laughs) i think you're gonna see you're gonna go first my very first one is the like soft baby eyes. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it's just like, I don't know. It's like the funniest you can use in like any situation, but just like the I'm baby face. Mm-hmm. And then I just have like the stereotype laughing emoji, which is like the tears coming out the side. And then yeah. my third is just the hard eyes. Okay. Yeah, I could go next. The first one I use the most is the double eye, like staring left one. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but just, you know, a pair of eyeballs. The second one is, like Max, the laughing emoji with the tears. Um, and then the last one, I don't know why I would use this. I, I guess I must have used it, but it's the one where it's like, it's like, I don't want to say it's a moaning face, but it's like, it's like that, like, oh, well, when, you know when something is so good? You know when, <laughs> you know when you say something is so good, like, oh man, like, I don't know how to is describe it. Is it the one with it, like the very me, downturned oh. open mouth? Yes. Um, oh, wait, can you show the camera? Let me, let me, here, here, here. Can you text us that emoji right now? It's on, oh, it's on that, that, one. One, that one, that one. 
How did how would you describe it, guys? Um, yeah, that's the moaning emoji, Paul. I don't know who you'd be sending these to. <laughs> Gigi, how are you? <laughs> I'm still confused about what the hell's a moaning emoji. Oh, here, here, here. Wait, yeah, you. can you send Hopefully. this? Here? Yeah. Let's see or if can it you will show, show up on can the, show the camera. camera? Oh, there you go. Oh, no, that does not. Sh- uh, wait, can you copy and paste that emoji in the Zoom no, chat? No, because I am on my phone, but I can. Wait, Max, just send it to yeah, her. Yeah, I'll put I, I didn't know how else to describe that emoji. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's a better name for it. I would consider it a groan emoji. That, <laughs> what, what's the context <laughs> you use that? What, what's the context of you uh, use that, that's, Paul? That's so frustrating. Like, I, I, yeah, I think that's how, that's how I used it. I don't remember well, using it. Well, maybe you do. You're just not telling us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I promise. I promise. I, I would I remember. I just sent you it, Gigi. I sent it to you on uh, Facebook. That. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> how would you describe it? How would you describe it, Gigi? Um. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I have no words. That's all I have to say. I would not say that's a that's a moaning one. I yeah. I. No. Yeah, maybe I used it as a joke with someone. I don't remember why it's, sh- it's showing up. I feel like this is the face I would make if I, like, stubbed my toe on something. Oh, I see. Yeah? <laughs> I th- like it could pain. be used as, like, a yeah. joke. Yeah, moan is moan was the wrong word. Yeah, that's not... <laughs> I should have said something else. But it could be used as, like, a like a uh, exaggerated moan. Like, like, complaining? When he, like, no, 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 like, when he wears Birkenstocks and then you put this face, like, that'd be pretty funny, no? I, don't, I can't tell if that's a positive okay. or a negative thing. Gigi, what about you? Mine are so boring. The first two are exactly the same as Max. I, like, exploit the baby face one to the Max. And then it's just, like, the laughing one. And then it's just the skull. Like, I'm dead. Oh. <laughs> my three, my my number one is absolutely the baby face. Um, I use it for everything. And then the second one is the pink heart with the sparkles on it. And then number mm. three is just the sparkles. Okay. So besides me, everyone else uses the baby eye emoji one. I feel like okay. most people use the uh, the laughing one because it's like, I don't know. I think it's some way you can actually say you're actually laughing as opposed to lol. Yeah. Um, a lot of people probably have the eyes, not the baby eyes, but the the like the side pointing eyes. Yeah, the side eye. Yeah. That was like my fourth one. And then I think the baby eyes is just like something common in like our age group. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what was up with the one that I used. It must have been, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like common, the more so. you try to explain it, the you drive yourself further in the hole. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, with that being said, shall we jump into the content of this week's episode? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know, this episode is titled "A Day in the Life," right? And. So we all wanted to sort of detail what our individual respective life at a university would typically look like. Um, yeah, does anyone want to start us off? I, yeah. Yeah, I can start us off. So just more context, we were all full-time students. Well, Chen Young, uh, Brielle, and myself, we graduated, and then Gigi's in her last semesters. Um, but we we're all full-time students and everything. And yeah, Cal, USC, like two really, really competitive schools. Um, Great schools, fight on, fuck off. Um, and, you know, I think it's like really interesting to talk about like, you know, what is what did our day to day look like? 
how much time we're spending on stuff. So I guess we could start off on like, what did your guys' like daily routine look like when we were in school or currently at school? And I guess we could talk about like what it looked like pre-corona, post-corona. Yeah, yeah. We're not post-corona. Pre-corona and during corona. Um, I could start off by talking about mine because it was the, probably a pretty unique experience being a commuter, which I'm sure you all have all heard a lot of on this podcast so far. But a day in my life typically looked like um, having 9 a.m. classes or 9.30, which kind of sucked, but that just tended to be uh, the classes that worked for my schedule or were required for my major. So I woke up around 7 a.m. Uh, Monday through Friday. And I would spend about an hour and a half around my house, uh, make up hair, making coffee, packing a lunch. I brought so much food with me every day because I knew I'd be in Berkeley until about 6 p.m. Um, so packing pretty much a whole day's worth of food. And then I would drive. So I would spend about an hour in the car in the morning on the way to Berkeley, park, and go about my first class. And I think I would typically have class two to three times a day. So I would maybe go to one class in the morning for about an hour and a half. Maybe I would have a bit of a break and then have an afternoon class, have another break where maybe I would go to work or wander around, hang out with friends, anything like that. And then I would often have a late afternoon, like a 3.30 to 5 o'clock class or some semesters I even had a 5 to 7 or a 5 to 6.30. And then from there, get back in my car, drive my ass home, And by the time I got home, it would usually be about 7.30 or so by the time I got out of the shower or like 8 something if I had a class I went till 7. So get home, shower, pretty much just eat some food and go to bed. That was kind of like my whole routine. If I had to do homework that night, I maybe would do it during that time. If not, I would try to do anything at school because I knew by the time I would get home, it'd be pretty late already. Um... But I really tried to prioritize going to sleep. So honestly, throughout college and even now as like a, quote, real adult, I like how I just made air quotes and no one could see that when they're listening to a podcast. But for the impact, it's there. Um, But I would really prioritize going to bed at like 1130. And I still do that. So I was never really that student who stayed up till two in the morning writing an essay or stayed up all night and like drank hella coffee in the nighttime and like cranked out all their work. I really tried to do all my work on the weekends. And then if I had anything that I needed to do on campus, I would or like throughout the day, I would try to do it on campus because I knew that my day was completely crunched out towards driving, spending the whole day on campus between a full course load and um, a part time job that was like up to 20 hours a week sometimes and then just drive home and eat and go to sleep. So that's what a day looked like for me for most semesters at Cal. If I had, hadn't had my internship at that point, that was really only my first semester at Cal. And at that point, it was kind of similar, just class until from nine to five and then drive myself home. Yeah, driving must have taken a lot of time out of your day. That's that's rough. Yeah, um, I could go next. So for me, I guess like a typical day that I could think of is like one from two semesters ago. So I would wake up around eight, I think, because I would have work for like two, three hours. Um, After work, I'd go get lunch at the school dorm cafeteria. Food's not that great there, by the way. Um, (laughs) Shout out to Cafe 3. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then after that, I'd go to my classes, which were usually in the afternoon. I scheduled them so that I wouldn't have to take them in the morning. That was not my strong suit. Yeah, so I took afternoon classes. I would probably be done by four. Um, And, you know, if there were any downtimes in between classes, I would go to office hours. And then after classes, 
I would go to the dorm cafeteria again, get dinner, and then I usually liked going to a cafe to study for a few more hours after. So like three, four hours at a nearby cafe. I love that whole vibe. And I felt like I was the most productive then. So that's where I would get all my studying done. Then after that, I'd come back, relax, uh, read a little bit, watch Netflix, and then I would go to sleep. Back then, I didn't prioritize my sleep. I wish I had, there's a, okay. There's a book called Why We Sleep. It's by it's written by a Berkeley neuroscience professor. Amazing book. Changed my outlook on sleep. It made me realize how dumb I was back then. But yeah, back then I didn't prioritize sleep, so I would go to bed late, and yeah, I was dumb back then. <laughs> What's what is late? And how much, how many hours of sleep do you think you got on average? Right. Late, I would say like 1 to 2 a.m. And I didn't get full eight hours when I should be like, no matter what. But I, I didn't, I didn't even know that it was harmful to not get that back then. Yeah. So I think I got like six hours. I used to do a lot of all-nighters too. I liked it. I was dumb. Like I, I <laughs> liked doing all-nighters. I don't know why. but I know that works really uh, yeah, well for I, some students where they just like to spend a whole night on an essay or spend a whole night doing all of their homework. And I know it really works for some people. And that's like the typical college experience is like late nights in the library, all hours of the night. I was like, mm, nope, I'm going to sleep. I'll deal with this another day. <laughs> if I haven't done it yet, I'm um, not, not going to know it now. So I'm out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was my typical day. Some there's definitely routine like parts in that routine I wish I could change like sleeping earlier for instance, but overall, I think that routine worked for me for the most part throughout my time at Berkeley. Yeah. Max, do you want to go? Uh, sure. So yeah, I also lived not as close as like Chen Young, but I lived like a mile from campus, and I also took like classes that I think like my earliest class most times was like eleven a.m. or twelve p.m. The one semester I took an 8 a.m. class was my first semester, and I didn't go to that class half the time. Like, the <laughs> attendance wasn't acquired, and, like, I still got an A in the class. Okay. But, yeah, so I typically took classes that started, like, 11 or 12, and I would try to be off campus by, like, 5 or 6. Um, and then during that day, I might have, like, an hour or an hour and a half break, and I would either eat lunch, hang out with a friend, or just, like, go in the library and be on my computer watching YouTube instead of doing work. Um, then when I got home, I might make myself some food, make myself dinner. Um, I would, I would be lying if I said I did readings all the time. Um, I would look <laughs> at what I was supposed to do and be like, damn, I should really do that. And then more realistically, I would look at when my paper was due and be like, ah, so I have a few more days of fucking around. And, um, I would, yeah, just be on my computer, wasting time, hanging out with my roommates. Um, I feel like the times I was most productive. It really was like I wasn't productive because I was like a procrastinator. But like when I was productive, it was like it was some good shit. Like I got a lot of stuff done all at the same time. So it kind of came at random spurts. Um, Yeah, I mean, my routine was like fairly basic. It kind of followed that in my last semester when I was at the TSC more often. Um, I found myself on campus more. And because of that, I was forced to be productive on campus, which really wasn't a thing for me before. Where like I really was like, OK, I go on campus go to lecture and I come back home and I do work quote unquote. Um, but in my last semester, cause I was on campus more often, I had to learn how to, you know, do work with other students there. And like, you know, it, it's weird. Cause like when you're in a space with your friends, you want to talk to them. And I had to learn how to not be talking to people and instead like focus on doing my work, which was really, it was difficult, but um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what my day to day looked like. How about you? Gotcha. Um, oh wait, before we go on yeah. Max, what's, what was TSC? Do, can you? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we were working at the TSC stands for transfer student center, 
So I was at the Trencher Student Center a lot more my last semester, um, just because like we I had more hours basically. And yeah, go ahead, Gigi. Um, I think spring 2020. That was last semester. Yeah. Oh my god, that feels weird. Okay. Uh, yeah. So last <laughs> semester, I feel like that one was before we had to go home for COVID. That was the most indicative of how my day to day life is or was at USC. So like I'd get up at 6.30 or 7, depending on what time I had class, but shower, get ready, tea, breakfast, and get all my stuff together. And I live a mile away from campus. I don't have a car here because I live in downtown and it's just not it. So I would have to take a bus, get downstairs early enough to catch the bus, sit on the bus. Even though school is only a mile away, it would take like 25 minutes to get to school. And that's just to get nice. from like outside of my apartment complex to the bus stop at school, not even like walking to class. It would take me another like 10, 15 minutes to walk to class, have class, run across campus to my other class. And then maybe like if I had, if I felt like eating, then I would like exit campus, go across the street, grab something to eat. And then there I would be super duper productive for like two and a half, three hours. And I scheduled my days to where like in the beginning of the week, like Monday, Tuesday, I would make those days the most packed. Cause like, regardless of if my day's packed or not, like Monday, Tuesday are like the hardest days for me to get through. So I'm like, if I get most of my shit done now, like classes wise, then I'll be chilling for the rest of the week. But after working for a couple of hours in like a village or a coffee shop, then I would, oh, the village is like a place right across from USC where there's like a bunch of restaurants, coffee shops, just like a really nice place to chill and hang out. And then I would have evening labs. I don't know why I did that to myself. Even next semester, I have an evening lab. But anyways, evening labs and then wait for the bus to come back home and then eat a little bit, relax for maybe 20 to 30 minutes. And then again, pack my stuff up again and go downstairs. We have like little study halls in the apartment complex and then study over there. So I rarely spent time at home, which is different now because the study halls are closed everywhere. So like beginning of COVID, I had like the most difficult time studying in my apartment. Mm. Yeah. 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 I guess, you know, we all touched on it. So I think we could dive more into it um, in terms of, you know, classwork, exams, studying. How, how much time did you guys spend on that? You know, for me... I feel like I, I spent an excessive amount of time. Like, looking back, like, it wasn't the most efficient use of time. I just thought back then, like, oh, putting more time equates to, I guess, like, getting more understanding. But, like, now I see that wasn't the case. You could get a lot more uh, efficient studying down in a shorter amount of time. At least that was the case for me, I think. But, yeah, back then, I just spent, like, four or five hours every day, like, at a cafe, just, like, catching up on readings, preparing for exams, and one now, so I, th- I I think I could say that I spent a significant chunk of my time on studying and preparing for exams. What about you guys? I I think first what I didn't, I know you said like probably like four or five hours like in the cafe four or five hours a day every day. Like, yeah, basically. Just to like give yeah, just so like audience can like actually hear like you know how much time did Jenny put in for like his degree and like maybe it would also help if we talk about like what did our workload not. Right. Like, right. What did what our did work look like, look like right? Because yeah. like mine was like essays, and that was kind of it. But like you know, sociology might be different, or you might be different. So maybe that would help too. Right. Yeah. So let me add. I guess I'm a political science major. So a lot of reading and writing. 
Um, and also, I think there's something I, sh I should also add. I'm applying to law school, and even back then, I knew I wanted to apply to law school. So, like, GPA was huge for me. Like, I couldn't afford to drop the ball on any class. I had to get the highest grade possible. So, I think that was also an extra factor in terms of affecting my choice to put in that many amount of hours. I feel like I spent too much. Um, it wasn't that healthy, but yeah, four to five hours per day minimum, I would say catching up in readings um trying to stay ahead and preparing for exams if there were any coming up yeah uh, i could go next then real that's cool um so for my degree i did media studies and like what our quote-unquote like work looked like really was like you got your assigned readings sometimes depending on the class you might have to post like on a discussion and like say what you thought about the readings and in your discussion class like you you go over the readings but I would like I would very like lightly skim the readings for what the professor had mentioned. And that was just a skill like I learned very early at Cal was like, they don't expect you to know every single word. So I made sure like in lecture, I wrote down like the important parts of the reading. And then in discussion was really like when I spent time like looking for what they had mentioned and kind of understanding those. So the only like real assignments we would ever have would be essays. So per class, I think depending on the class, of course, uh, but I could roughly estimate like every class I had per semester, I had to write two to four essays. And if I'm taking, I think I took like three to four classes. So that's like maybe eight to 12 essays per semester. Um, that can range from a two page essay, which isn't a lot to like a seven to 10 page essay. So because of that, like that's what my work looked like was just writing. And so week to week, I honestly maybe spent two hours at most doing work per day and where that work spiked on like the time I was putting in was when I had essays due and I'm someone that when I do my essays I don't write them like super far ahead I write them at like the super last minute because I spend like the week and the week before like kind of mentally planning how I want to say stuff and kind of like you know, picking up on like, if a professor is mentioning last minute on these readings, I take a mental note on like, okay, I can use that reading to support this argument. And it's all just, it, it all, it is all like very mental work. And then I start doing the actual writing at most, at absolute most three days before the essays do for being real. And that's for like a research paper and I hated research papers. So I had to do three days before. Um, but if it's like an argumentative essay or something that doesn't require as much like research based stuff, more realistically, like two days before doing the physical typing because <laughs> I type really fast and um, really like <laughs> if you look at the difference match? between my first draft and my last draft, there is not a difference. Like what I start is basically as soon as I type that last word, that bitch is getting turned in. Like I don't I when I did like a proofreading, bro, it was to make sure I didn't spell anything wrong. Um, I didn't. I was like, ah, this argument don't make sense. That's rough. Submit. Um but that's not a good model for how like you should be. But uh, I mean, I pass all my classes with A's, B's and like, actually, yeah, all A's and B's. I don't think I got to see at Cal. Um, yeah, that's what my like work looked like on, um, except for um, my one CS class um, for any assignment. I had to spend at least a week on it. That shit was rough. And it was like a week working with people of like asking the TA for help, asking my roommates who are CS and my roommates friends who are CS for help. So uh, yeah. that, you know. That might be a slight hint as like what the difference between like a STEM class versus like a social, what are, what are we called? What, what was our field called? Social science. Social science yeah. that, you know, that's not how everybody works, but you know, that was my experience. Yeah, mine was 
similar but different um, because I had a similar major. I was in social science as well. So I typically, mm, honestly, if I didn't have an essay that week or that, honestly, it was maybe like a couple of hours of reading per week otherwise. Um, so if I had 50 pages due the next day or I knew that I had 50 pages due twice a week or something, I would try to get them done the two days before or maybe a day before. Um, sometimes I was reading the night before and at that point if I was like not feeling it, I would just call it quits. Um, but when it came to writing essays and submitting all of my assignments, yeah, everything for me, for the most part, was in the form of, uh, essay submission. So I pretty much submitted all of my essays, like, three to five days in advance. Probably more like three days, uh, before the deadline. And then I would just, like, never look at it again. But I was very similar to Max in that I never proofread anything. If I was writing it. Yeah, when I was writing, if I'm, I'm, like, proofreading as I go. So I'll, like read what I've just written a couple of times, make sure it looks right, but I will never finish an essay and then start from the beginning and read the whole thing and make edits. Like, that's not going to happen. So once I write that last word, it's gone. I'm done with it. Like, I'm ready to go. I might, like, look over a couple things. Which is bad. It's bad. It's bad. We admit it's a bad. Like, you shouldn't do it. Kyle, our previous guest, Kyle Cessna, would be turning in his grave if he was dead. Like, this dude... (laughs) I, if he's, yeah, this that's a weird expression. But like, if, if Kyle heard this and he knows this is how I write too, he'd be like, "What the fuck is your problem?" Um, how much I study a week or even like on the day, Max? Why are you making that face? Please, I would love. I want them. I want to see their reactions. <laughs> okay, it really just depends on like what class I'm taking, just because like the pre med requirements. They're also out of whack like okay the class that I studied for the most in terms of like all of the prereqs has been ochem organic chemistry and that's a class where like I would go to lecture take like really like messy messy notes and like also have the voice recording of the professor on my phone even though we weren't allowed to do that I just sat in a place where he couldn't see my phone because I'm like I'm gonna be lost if I tried like studying this on my own again and then I would come home Mm review that lecture, just like listen to it while just scanning over my notes and then do a third pass over the material, like rewriting the notes and then another one at the end of the week where I would make like weekly sheets. So for OCHEM, I did not miss a day, like seven days a week. I made sure I studied for that class. Just I'm like, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to get anything less than an A in this class. Like it's not happening. I just had that kind of mentality going in. But semesters where I was taking more than one pre-med requirement, I would spend easily like three to four hours per class. So like if I came home late, I would have like a checklist that, okay, I need to make sure I finish this lecture and this lecture. And I would not go to sleep until I finished it. So it didn't matter if I was staying up until like two, three in the morning and I had to wake up at six the next day. I'm like, there's no way that I'm not meeting my goals. So I was, Max knows this whenever he would check in and be like, oh, what are you doing? Studying what do you got this going on this week? Exams, studying. But like, <laughs> I was studying for exams, even if they were like a couple weeks out, like right now, like my finals on November 19th, I've already covered all of like the lecture material. I'm like, I'm entirely done with like what I'm, what's supposed to be covered on the exam. So like starting now, I'm going to do like an hour review every single day leading up to like a week before the exam, where it's just going to be entirely focused on that. So my entire life is studying. I don't have a life outside of it. That's how it is. So how how many hours of sleep do you think you get on average? Mm. 
per like night three to six yeah like it ranges from like it could go from three to eight depending on like it's because I don't take my weekends off to relax like when I see Friday Saturday Sunday and I'm like this is prime time to get either like catch up on my work or get ahead like weekends are not for fun for me and like I like that that it's like that's where I feel accomplished in terms not that you shouldn't be Mm. taking breaks totally sure that's not like the point but she said fuck mental health (laughs) (laughs) this is one of those how are you really questions (laughs) (laughs) okay um day i'm gonna say anywhere from three to six like every night is what it's been should also mention so i know at least in this semester but i think every semester gg is like on top of you know she said she takes two sets of the same notes that's just crazy i barely take one um like Gigi, you're doing a fellowship or an internship this semester or a research position i, I can't remember what i the have title research is. and internship yeah so you know on top of being pre-med she's doing uh fucking research and an internship and i think in previous semesters it's been similar where she always has it's not just school for her it's school and top of i can't even you can't call those extracurriculars what do you call that job prospects i don't know hmm it counts as extracurriculars yeah, crazy. on like yeah I, I was gonna say extracurriculars but i don't know if that's like demeaning no well because like on the med is. school app it's gonna go down as like extracurricular required yeah yeah um okay so something we put in the question too but we didn't exactly answer but i think it would be interesting to answer is um how much time did we spend prepping for exams um and maybe i don't know do you guys think it'd be uh, important to mention like what did our exams kind of look like i can talk about that too i had a couple of exams and other essays too or do you think that's too tedious i think i think we could briefly mention it right we could briefly go over how that i I guess i was just guessing more time stuff so like if i'll I'll take it real quick so like when i had an exam coming up i would spend basically the full I, i would spend a week basically prepping for it um, but I was lucky that like I took all my classes with a friend and he really enjoyed like the material we learned. So like he would do all the readings and I would have like the TLDR of what the professor said about the readings. Uh, TLDR is like too lazy, didn't read. So like I had like the highlights basically and he had the details and him and I both worked very well together because we both really enjoyed talking things out. Um, so for exams, I, I would always spend basically a week on any any given exam. Um essays like i said maybe like two days three days of physical writing but yeah for exams i took a little more serious because for my classes we typically only had two exams we had a midterm and a final and then like two to three essays and that's like that's our entire grade breakdown basically um and my exams kind of looked like sometimes they'd be multiple choice they'd be like here's 10 multiple choice questions like not a lot of points here's three short responses that they wanted like one to two page responses on and then here's one essay um and then we would have to complete that like in the class um so yeah that's kind of what my exams looked like i also like i took my exams very quickly i would always be like one of the first five people out of the room because like if i didn't know anything i'd be like ah oh, like there's no point in trying to think this out i just i just mark <laughs> and um same with like when i wrote out um like short essays or full essays like it was very i, I didn't do like the whole um like brainstorming like, oh, this comes to mind and if something came to mind while writing i'd be like damn like how am i gonna fit this in <laughs> that's rough and like, oh, oh, here's a little note at the end <laughs> like blah 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 and pray i got points for it gotcha. mine was very similar um do you want to go ahead Chung? you can go first so 
For me too. Um, I'd spend about a week on um an exam. Honestly, maybe even less. Like when I think about finals week and how we had dead week with or R and R week at Berkeley was the week before uh finals where you had to read, resuscitate. Triple R week, or I always called it dead week, but because I couldn't, I obviously didn't know what the three R's were, but um, that was our week to basically review everything. And I honestly kind of took that the first half of dead week as a vacation from learning and from studying. And then I would use the second half really like Thursday through the end of the weekend for studying. Um, But that also assumed that I had finals every single day of the week. And often it was more so that I had an essay due at the end of the week. Or I'd have an essay due one of those days. Um, Only in my sociological theory classes, uh, Theory 101 and Theory 102, which were five semester units. They were pretty hefty classes um, at Cal. But those ones did have in-class exams. And honestly, I just about the same. I'd spend like five to seven days on it. And the way that I found studying the most easily, easily accessible for me would be to do whatever I can throughout the semester to understand it as best I can and then teach it to my friends later because I also took my classes with my friends but I was generally the one who had a better idea of what the content meant and what the coursework was and then I would teach it to my friends or help them through their essays later and that's kind of how I would perfect my own knowledge um honestly just like kind of figuring things out as I go and then if there's anything I truly didn't know that's what those last few days before the final were for or for that before that midterm but um yeah, just a couple of days, maybe five to seven, and then really teaching it to someone else. And that's where most of my time went as I neared the actual exam. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, for me, um, I think it, it differed depending on whether it was like a midterm or a final. For a midterm, I think I would start as early as possible, like two, three weeks in advance. Um, I'm a firm believer in the idea that it's not about the total hours of studying you get done for an exam that sets you for success but it's about how many amount how many like how many nights can you sleep on that like how many nights of sleep can you get on that information so like i would try to get as much days as possible where i could study and sleep on it and study and sleep on it so that it builds up over time for a final honest like a month or maybe even before um i would just really extra about my grades because i knew it had to be set up perfectly for law school so i just couldn't even afford to like entertain the possibility of something lower than a a so like i would be a little bit too extra with it and start as early as possible yeah whenever the professor would mention something about the final i would just take that as a cue see what i could get from that and start so yeah i think i try to start as early as possible sometimes a little bit too early i don't i didn't think i had to go that far but at that time i would just taking precautions for law school apps. Yeah, mine was kind of like the same thing, but more recently, like my exams have been multiple choice in terms of like, they're really scenario-based and like my biochem class was all prepping us for the MCAT. So you had like passages based on like the material that you learned, but in passage form. And then you would answer questions based on the passages, which is the most irritating thing ever. But like, classes like organic chemistry and general chemistry it was more like do this problem fill in the blank style but not your traditional fill in the blank it was like here's your starting product here's your ending there's 20 steps in between do the synthesis that kind of thing Whoa. yeah <laughs> but disgusting it was i'm so glad it's over never have to look back <laughs> at that 
I know what what class was it recently and how much time did you spend? You know what you know what exam I'm yes, talking about. It was like within the last two weeks. How much time did you spend on that? Is this the exam where you like called and I was like, I'm I'm crying and this is not yeah. happening. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> that's my metabolism class. Lovely, lovely class. Uh I spent <laughs> Hmm. It was a midterm, so I spent around three and a half weeks of hardcore studying, like going all at it. But prior to that, there was like, oh, watch the lecture once, watch the lecture two times, write down notes. So there was a lot more that went into it. But the material was just so challenging. So I'm like, this is ridiculous. But I am kind of like, the person who's like, I will leave like no stone unturned in terms of material. Like I always assume that like every little tiny detail is going to end up being on the exam. I don't know if that's a good Mm. thing or bad thing. Probably not good for me in the long run, but you know, it is what it is. (laughs) So yeah, I think we got a good, like almost along the spectrum of like, you know, spending not enough time me versus maybe spending too much time at Gigi and Paul. Um, so I guess that leads to like our following question well, which is like, how did we, how, how did we all balance like schoolwork versus if we were working, working versus like the social aspect of college? Did we do it poorly? Did we handle it well? Did we maybe delete one from the three? <laughs> um, yeah, I think we should also mention that, you know, this is all coming from a transfer perspective. This is for transfers who not who you know unlike freshmen didn't get to start their first year being accustomed to this process and routine we had to start sort of in the halfway of our undergraduate timeline to get used to that sort of course load and expectations yeah so like for me in terms of balancing i I think i took out i think i took out social part like i just i like even in community college i have a like i had a great network and like I made a lot of close friends, a lot of good memories. But like when I look back at Berkeley, I don't really have that save for like towards the end where I got to interact with transfer people. But before Transfer Student Center, like I didn't have that much social life. And even then, when I got to interact with Transfer Student Center, I don't think I spent as much time as I could have. I was so bent on getting good grades that I just sort of eliminated social life from the equation. And I, so I think my mental health suffered as a consequence of that. Like, I was very stressed out, and I didn't know how to handle it. But back then, I didn't even know I was stressed out. So, like, it just wasn't good. Um, Yeah, so I I don't think I balanced it well back then. I think um, for Chen Young-Briel and myself, one thing that coincidentally worked well for us was, like, work and social were, like, fairly intertwined. Um, So, like, we worked at the Transfer Student Center. Like, that's how we met each other, um, where we were in the internship, and then we became leads and, like, worked work there for, like, getting paid or whatever. And like, you know, our coworkers were our friends and like we found ourselves being at the transfer center working and even doing like classwork sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like for myself, like work and social were kind of intertwined. Um, my roommates were like very close friends with me and like our people they lived with before like came over a lot. So like that was really cool. Um, but other than that, like social, I didn't do too much outside of that. I wish I had done more. And for school, um, I mean, like, honestly, I don't know if it's because like I'm a good bullshitter. Or if the classes just weren't that challenging for myself, but like the classes weren't that difficult. Um, I I was lucky that like my friend, he's really fucking smart. Shout out Brendley. Um, 
he he's just really smart and that helped me out a lot on like you know talking ideas out with him and like i was lucky to find someone that i worked well with and like what, what do they say like there's different types of learning right there's like visual um there's like you know physically doing the work and then there's like talking out i don't know what that's called and like i was lucky that i found someone who learned the same way i did well um so that like was fairly easy so yeah i, I think i found a good balance amongst the three i feel like i didn't have a balance i still don't do you want to take it away then Gigi? i mean i'm thinking back like junior college days to where like i was taking classes with friends and I got lucky that one of my close friends who I was taking classes with also lived near me at the time. So like I would go over to her place to study and then like we'd study like hard for X amount of hours, but then just chill and hang out. And then when I moved here, I didn't have anybody. Like I didn't know anybody here. So it was mostly just like a little hermit in my place like for the entire semester. But even when I did make friends, um, it was mostly just hanging out with them for studying purposes and then I'd be like okay well I need to go back home and I need to do stuff on my own but I think when it comes to like juggling balls some are glass some are plastic I assumed that my social life was plastic to where like if I drop it it's fine it can bounce back up and I can pick it up later but like grades family like research internship obligations club obligations are made of glass if I let one of those slip like there's no coming back from that so I let my social life slip I've never heard that as a metaphor or analogy. I've never heard that yeah, before. That was yeah. slick. I liked that one. At first I was like, huh, that was what she said. But then I, it made sense as you went along with it. And I was like, oh, this is a really good way to describe this. Yeah, it's something glass, that like my my dad has explained to me that like you will always have like a lot going on. That, and that holds true for every single person. But you have to realize that like some balls are made out of plastic. Some are glass. Pick which ones are. And like once you find out which ones are plastic, let go of that. Let it bounce off to the side, and whenever you're ready, it'll come yeah. back up. Versus the glass ones, they're gonna motherfucking shatter. But that's so good. Um, I am totally in agreement with Max that my social life and my work life were very much intertwined. Um, not just even in the student staff. Like I was very close with the professional staff at Berkeley, so I had kind of formed friends in both groups, and to me, that was all one group. So, yeah, my work was spent also socializing. I was very close to everyone that I worked at the desk with or worked on projects with or even the professional staff that I was like serving with. We were friends. So all of that kind of intertwined and that work never really felt like work. So that was one that was really easy to maintain. Um, I also took all my classes with my friends. So even going to class, which as we've discussed plenty in this podcast, I didn't do a lot of. But when I did go, I went with my friends. So I was able to socialize in that setting too but yeah and then in the sense of uh going home at the end of the day and commuting there was that missing piece of spending an evening like going out in berkeley which a lot of people love to do or um spending time downtown or going out to eat for dinner and stuff like that kind of fell through the cracks but i didn't necessarily feel like that was a loss because my social life was so well intertwined with my like nine to five schedule on campus that i wasn't really missing it um, and sometimes I would still drive, like when I'd get off the freeway, I'd call my friend and be like, all right, I can go left to go to my house. I can go right to go to your house. Which way should I go? And I'd let her tell me like, okay, go right. Let's go hang out. So I would do that often when I got home. But really my social life at Berkeley was really intertwined with my day-to-day life, with my school, 
stuff with my work life and the occasional, um, I think actually, now that I think about it, I definitely spent quite a few weekends like sleeping over at friends' apartments and going places and spending time in our groups of friends that also weren't friends from my classes or friends explicitly from work. Uh, there was some overlap in those groups, but yeah, I think I actually prioritize social life well. Academics, obviously, yeah, I didn't go to class very often and I didn't have a lot of work to do in between um, classes. So I honestly think I spent the least amount of time on my actual schoolwork when I was at Berkeley when I compare it to social and work. But that's not to say that it didn't serve me well. I still got really good grades and I was very much on top of everything that I had to do um, academically. It just wasn't a time, like, didn't drain my time very much. Hmm. Yeah, and there's, like, one thing I also wanted to add. Gigi mentioned it earlier uh, when she said, like, I think you mentioned something like, you know, like, you were dropped, right, into, like, a, like a four-year, right, away from your what you were used yeah. to. So that was the case for me, too. Like, and I'm from SoCal. I had already built all my friends, relationships, networks, cafes that I would go for comfort, cafes that I would go to, to, go to study. I, I had already all of that. And then going to Berkeley, so far away from home, I'll just drop off in a new location. I had nothing to help me become, yeah, to help me adjust in terms of especially social life too. So I think that was the hard part. So, and I think this will be more relevant for listeners who are going to have to transfer to somewhere far away. That's not what, not that's not close to where they are originally from. But yeah, that wasn't easy. And so I think that also had an impact in terms of you know, my not having that robust of a social social relationship slash network in the beginning. It took me a while for that to get even started. Um, so we get that. Okay, so other than like, I guess within like work balance, school balance, and social balance, we could kind of talk about what was like our campus culture like. I I I don't know if this is like a very like Berkeley applicable thing, but like I wasn't prepared for like the Berkeley culture, which I guess is like kind of prevalent to like the Bay Area culture, but like, for example, something that's super normal at Cal is um, when you're introducing yourself to people, you you tell them your pronouns. Um, and that was like a shock to me. And I was like, oh, that that is like really cool. And that makes a lot of sense. So like, I found myself doing that with people that aren't even like necessarily like Cal related. Um, so like, that was a shock also just like how competitive it is and everything. But what what did you guys think? Like, what were some Cal culture things, USC culture things you weren't prepared for? Or something you weren't used to, shocks, etc. Um, because I also grew up in the Bay Area, Bay Area, like Max, I don't think that our experiences are going to differ that much. Um, probably because we grew up in this space and we have a pretty clear idea of what the area was like before we got there. So I'm sure Chenung has more to say on this, but I honestly didn't even think it was that competitive. But that might have just been in my major. Sociology is a very, uh community-based major. It's very uh, welcoming. It's a very social experience in the classroom. So there isn't really much room for competition. We don't have any grade deflation or inflation issues in the major. So just from that alone, I would I didn't really experience the competitiveness, but I could see it in other conversations with others in different programs, how they experienced it. It just wasn't a part of my Berkeley experience. Um, honestly, it just felt very much like a typical San Francisco, Berkeley, New York, LA type of hustle and bustle. Like everyone's got something to do. Everyone's uh, looking on to the next part of their schedule and not so much like no one stops to say hi. No one like grabs a cup of coffee together in between unless it's like you're really good friends. But it's just that like someone's on the, everyone's on the move. Everyone's got somewhere to be. Everyone's speed walking. Um, 
And that's just kind of how I noticed the campus, like, felt. Otherwise, honestly, I thought it was, like, a very social and welcoming place to be around. So, and that's kind of what I expected from it, having grown up nearby. But I'm sure that's different for someone who was dropped onto Berkeley campus from eight hours away. Yeah, I guess, like, one thing that stood out for me right off the bat was, like, the CS-oriented culture in in Berkeley. Like, given an orientation, like, the CS people are off by themselves and, like... What's CS? Computer science. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, the the campus was very oriented towards that, and justifiably, right? Because it's, you know, Bay Area. So, I think that was one thing that surprised me, just how cs oriented everyone seemed to be and you know i i even heard from a couple political science people that like oh like at one point you're gonna seriously think about maybe even minoring in cs which actually i did i did think about that for like a little bit i was that interested um so that's how cs oriented that whole vibe might look like so i think that was one thing another was how passionate everyone seemed um and what I mean by that is, you know, I was from a com- I, my community college, it was very quiet. Not that many people walking, even on campus. And like even in class, this discussions are only a handful of people really who like contributed passionately to whatever the topic was. But at least in Berkeley, political science, everyone's so passionate and everyone's really intelligent. And it was just really inspiring to be, it was really inspiring to be there. So I think that was another aspect of the culture, how everyone is very energized and you see that play out even in like, you know, sprawl. There's like protests. There's there's a lot of things going on always, constantly. And so I think that speaks to how how driven everyone seems to be. So that that's also another part of the campus culture, I think, that caught me off guard when I first was dropped off there. Um, I think another part of the shock that I had was like, um, you know, figuring out how much time I had to put into school. And, you know, by the end, it was like, oh, I don't have to put a shit ton but when you would go into libraries and everything, like our libraries were always full. Um, like two of the bigger libraries on campus, like Moffitt and Doe, like you were like lucky to find a seat there. So seeing like how hard people were grinding and it's typically like, you know, people that are in STEM, people that are in CS and everything. And there's whiteboards everywhere and they're just always filled up with all kinds of equations and shit that I don't understand. And like it, it was kind of like, holy crap, like there are so many students here that are like working so hard, something that I wasn't really I don't know if it wasn't, I wasn't expecting to see that, but I don't think I understood like the volume at which people were there. And though um, I know like we have a library that operates or when school was in session in person, it operated basically 24 seven. And like, you know, you hear stories during dead week that people would like spend the night at the library um, just because like, you know, they want to just be like hardcore independent studying with nobody bothering them. Um, definitely something I wasn't expecting trying to think if there was another there's another thing oh um chenyaga mentioned like the focus on cs and like i took a cs course in my last semester and i remember like going into where like the cs building is and like dude they just have access to so many resources for their students which is great of course but like for my major like we didn't even have a building like we barely had i think there were like four counselors like we didn't have a like a library specific for like our major which is like fine like i don't want a whole library for like media studies right but like it's it's crazy that like there's a whole cs like building damn near and like they have dedicated spaces just for cs students which is super cool but i mean like cal's like one of the best cs schools there is and everything of course and um yeah i think the focus on that something i completely forgot about was just like super shocking 
Um, when I first got to USC, I had like two like really different experiences. I'm going to say like, I was kind of shocked about like how much Trojan spirit there is regarding like every single thing. And I'm like, how do you guys have this much energy? It was kind of just like relax for 10 seconds, but you get used to it. And I'm like, this is actually really nice. But like overall USC outside of the pre-med community was like the most welcoming thing ever. Like I'm like really grateful that USC like hugged me with like open arms. Like that's what it felt like. It was really nice. I guess we could talk about like the pre-med experience a little bit separately, but I feel like at USC you can't associate the entire campus with like, it's not heavily leaning towards like, like you can't say it's like heavily leaning towards STEM because we have a lot of like business majors. We have a lot of communication people, like um, the people who study at Kaufman, which is the dance school. And we have people who study at Thornton, which is like the music school. Like there's a wide range. It's, I guess a lot of like the Hollywood people would associate USC with like our um, school of cinematic arts because we have a lot of like professors who work in Hollywood. But other than that, I don't think you can associate USC with like any one major group of people. But I don't know. I've had two really different experiences being here. I don't know if you want me to go into that. Can you speak on your experience with like being pre-med and like what those courses look like, what the culture is like in that department? I can tell you about my first day at USC going into like, Oh God, I had the moment where I was like, you literally made like the biggest mistake of your life being here. Like you should, nope, go back. That's, so I had OCHEM lecture in the morning and there's like different lab sections. So everybody attends like the same lecture section, 50 minutes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then you have lab sections that you can pick, which are three hours long because labs are disgusting. So I was, I went to lecture that day. It was like, oh, come one. And I was like, okay, this is nice. This is nice, whatever. He's going through lecture. And then like the last maybe five minutes of class, the lab director comes in. She goes, hey, I'm the lab director. Uh, this is how labs are run. The first lab is not really a lab. You're just going to come in to make sure you read your book, like these sections, and you're going to do pages one through 12 inside the lab. Okay. Having taken like through four labs at junior college, I was like, okay, well, when it's a day when you're just working from the book and you're not doing actual experiments and stuff, that means you come in with your book and you sit down and you work on like the lab bench tables. So I went about my day and then comes like the evening lab time. So I go to the lab building, took me forever to find it, but that's like besides the point. So I get there, everybody is in their lab coats and has their goggles on already in line formation to go inside the lab and like I see like the TA like checking off people she's checking if she can see your ankles and I'm like I swear that there was not the ankles like I swear that there's not an actual lab today so I went up to her and I talked to her and I was like um I don't have my lab coat I don't have my goggles because like in my head my experience in my junior college I'm like you don't need this stuff and you're just gonna go sit down on the table she was like go talk to the lab director she literally just dismissed me and I was like okay so I had to like find the lab director's room and I told her she was like are you a transfer student? Like after I explained the situation to her, I'm like, yeah, she was like, it's okay. She goes, uh, here's like a list of like the other lab sections, find one that fits with your schedule that you can do and just make it up that day. So I ended up coming into lab, like I think a Wednesday or a Thursday. And the first lab is where they assign you to your table that you will be sitting at. You can't pick where you sit. It's just because it's easier for like the lab TAs to get to know you. Like if you're sitting in one spot for the entire semester in ABC order. So obviously my mm-hmm. name wasn't on the roster 
but it was the same lab tea. She was like, oh, I remember you. And then she would like, just sit at this table in front of this hood. So I go and sit there. But I took someone else's seat because she told me to. But the other girl whose seat I took, she comes in, she goes, ah, that's my seat or like whatever. And I'm like, sorry, I'm like, I'll, I can stand off to the side of the table. I'm like, I'm not even going to, I'm only here for just this lab section. I'm like, um, I was actually supposed to be in like the Monday section. She was like, oh, what happened? I was like, oh, I didn't bring my lab coat and goggles. And she was like, she was, she didn't mean it in like a malicious way at all. She was like, but isn't that like standard protocol since like Gen Chem one days? And I'm like, oh, well, I didn't take Gen Chem one here. She was like, why is that? I'm like, oh, I'm a transfer student. And like, she was not that good at controlling her reaction like immediately. But I mean, it's mm-hmm. such, it was such a small thing to where like, I didn't know that you were supposed to bring your lab coat and goggles on the first day of class, like regardless of if you're doing an actual experiment or not. But I went home feeling I'm like so defeated. I'm like, how did you not know? You should have kind of known. But that's just me like thinking like you do not belong here. Should have gone somewhere else. That kind of thing. But in terms of competitiveness, Max, I've already told you this story. <laughs> so OCHEM is one of those classes to where like you have to attend lecture to be able to like know the material like my OCHEM 2 class my professor did not teach out of the book he just taught he wrote on like chalkboards so you didn't even have lecture slides so if you missed a day you were kind of screwed unless you got info from like one of your other classmates so I was in my lab section Mm -hmm. and this guy was like asking this girl like he was they were kind of standing close to us he was asking he was like oh like I missed this lecture and I just need the notes for it like can I get the notes and she was like, yeah, sure. But can you Venmo me $25? And he was like, yeah, sure. So he like starts like, he's like Venmoing her. And I'm literally trying to like, understand if that's like actually happening. I'm like, why is this a thing? Yeah. It's, it's literally made before pages of notes. I'm like, it's not that serious to where you need to like, I was just baffled. I'm like, why are you going to pay $25? And later... It turns out that I knew somebody who knew that guy and he was like, he compared the notes that he got from somebody else. He was like, there were a few things missing. Like, not that, I don't know how to explain this to you guys in a way that doesn't like confuse the shit out of you. Like when you're talking about OCHEM and OCHEM structures, like placement of certain groups is everything because it tells you about the chemistry of like how the reaction is going to go. And like, it, it matters. So like on the notes that she gave him, the groups, some of the groups were like flipped around to where it's like, you're essentially giving him like the wrong details about lecture. And it's like the sabotage mentality. But that's like the one time that I came across it. I'm like, please tell me that that, that doesn't happen at this school. But yeah, it's cutthroat for no reason, I'm going to say. But that was just like my one experience. I think people need to realize that like there's room for everyone to succeed. But that was that was yeah if that if i witness something like that it's first week of berkeley and i see someone asking 25 dollars for notes that would scar me i'm like holy shit this is this is the environment but also just like how you said like he his reaction wasn't even like excuse me it was like yeah Yeah. of course like it's a normal (laughs) thing like that's crazy it's just if somebody asked me for notes i'd be like yeah sure like let me just scan it and i'll send it over it's really not that big of a deal yeah, exactly. Twenty five. Mm-hmm. You know what I can give me twenty five dollars? 
Um, so I, I know we've mentioned in the podcast in previous episodes, like Chen Young, Brielle, myself, we worked at the Chancer Center. Um, and it's something that's like very well established. It's been there for like 20 years. Um, it's yeah. So Gigi, I wanted to ask you what resources are available at USC for transfer students? So before you even like step foot on campus, like officially as like a USC student, like once you've been accepted, they send you like a gajillion emails to like webinars and those I attended a few and they were actually really helpful, but we do have like a transfer center, but it's not like an actual like building just made for that. It's like a small office that you can go and talk to if you have any concerns. Um, they're a lot nicer to their transfer students in general, just because like kind of a big population at USC is with their transfer students. But my advisor was, is still like my rock. Like she checks in so many times throughout the semester and like even just for like random like zoom calls now first used to be just like oh come into my office and we'll just have a chit chat like it wasn't even like I needed to have scheduled a meeting with her for like certain like USC obligations which were there but there is a lot of resources but every single one of my transfer friends have said that like their advisors have been the most like phenomenal people and I'm like glad to hear it but in terms of like resources like they'll email you about them and it's up to you to be able to like no one's going to push you like you really have to take it upon yourself to be able to be like oh I should go to this event or I should attend this webinar that kind of thing I guess it's like that that seems like fairly similar to like what we had honestly because like yeah our physical center was within a building um, that had like a bunch of other resources in it and I mean it's the same thing I, I feel like most resources are like it's up to you really to go there um like nobody's gonna literally push you into the building, right? And I guess like our last thing, since we kind of mentioned like campus culture, how much time we're spending on classes, we're, we're, we're really trying to like, you know, give you the numbers to be as transparent with people as possible. Because like if someone's thinking about transferring to USC as pre-med, if someone's thinking about transferring to Cal, like, of course you can Google stuff like, what is it like? But like we're, we wanted to give you guys like, these are our exact experiences, like, Gigi said she got three to six hours of sleep. I said, like, I probably got six to eight hours on any given night. Um, so just being transparent for the sake of, like, you know, letting you guys know as much as we can about what was going on. But when we're talking about how much time we spent on everything, I, I wanted to finish off by talking about, like, how did we take care of our mental health? And what resources, if any, did the university offer? Did you take advantage of them? Did you not need it? Did you need it and still not take advantage of them? Stuff like that. Yeah. And just to add on to that, I think we should also adding on to like the last thing we should end the episode on is like tips slash like takeaways, like what can our listeners learn from our experience, right? About this topic. But yeah. um, Yeah. Do you mind repeating the question again, Max? Just so it's clear. Yeah. So what did you do to take care of your mental health? And did you do any, did your school offer you any resources for mental health? Did you take advantage of them did you not do you want me to go i can go sure okay um the first semester i feel like i didn't like take time to think about like am i okay or not just because i was in such a, like a go 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 kind of thing but like more recently that we have this thing called like trojans support trojans and it's like this like open now it's open link on zoom like you can just come in and drop whenever you want and i've gone to like they have weekly sessions and i've gone to almost every single one of them since this semester started, it's literally just a place where you can talk if you want to. You don't have to. You can just listen. 
to what other people are saying, or you can just sit in silence and just do your work with like a bunch of random strangers, which has been really, really nice. But in terms of like outside of USC, um, Max, I think you know this, where like I used to go up to the rooftop like during sunset, like it didn't matter how much work I had, didn't matter if I had an exam the next day, I would go up to the rooftop or like my balcony and like watch the sunset for like 20 minutes. Like that was like a must do for me. And I still do that now. So like small things and like that kind of help ground me. Yeah, for me, I didn't do a good job of it in the beginning, but I think I started to find ways to take care of myself. One was exercising and hiking, especially hiking was amazing, especially like when the sun was setting and during evening. Hiking helped me a lot. Um, sometimes going to cafes, not to do schoolwork, but just to relax, I guess, and to like read for fun. That was also something that I valued. And I think there were certain events that I would go and check out. Like I went to an improv show for the first time in my life at Berkeley and I loved it. <laughs> I went with my roommate and like we had a really great time there. Um, and yeah, so I think I was trying to take care of myself by not only through physical health, but also through like things that were memorable and, you know, funny, like improv or what else did I do? I think I also went to like a music showing, something like that. And yeah, so I, I think those are the main ways I, were, I was taking care of my health. I, I wish that, you know, looking back, I did more to do to help my mental health. I didn't do it enough. I also wish I took use of like the school therapy and like mental health services back then i didn't even think about reaching out to that um and yeah so i could have done more but for the things that i did yeah probably hiking exercising and in terms of what school offered um like what max was saying i think i think the school definitely offered those options i just didn't know about them that well that's probably on me um i don't want to say it's on the school i'm sure there were so many options and, you know, even I think the first semester, Gigi said it was like, go, go, go time. Like that, that was definitely my mentality, too. So I didn't know how to relax. So I had a hard time sleeping in my first semester. So I, I sought out sleep therapy for the first time in my life that was offered at Berkeley. And that helped a lot. Yeah. So I, I think the school definitely offered options. I just wasn't that active about seeking them out and finding which ones would work for me. Yeah, I can talk about resources, especially at Berkeley. Um for any student who is looking for mental health support or any health support, we have UHS, which is the University Health Services, and then um, CAPS is the Counseling and Psychological Services at UC Berkeley. So that's where you can get career counseling, mental health counseling, uh, nutrition counseling, all that kind of stuff. I think you have eight appointments per semester or eight appointments per year, um, and you can schedule those as needed or plan them throughout the year so that you're getting all of your counseling needs met. Um, I actually didn't use them at all when I was at Berkeley and I was definitely one of those people who was doing a lot of stuff. Excuse me, I just like hiccuped. I was, I was doing so much with my day on campus that I really never noticed how I felt until I got home. Um, and like when I did get home and when I got into bed, I was just like super overwhelmed and exhausted. But it would more so come out in outbursts and like in big moments rather than like constant agitation or like a, you know, like I wasn't experiencing it as it was coming. It was more like a big blow up. So Max can probably 
probably can't even count on his two hands how many times we would like be hanging out and I just randomly have a total mental breakdown. But it was like funny because I would be so overwhelmed <laughs> and like going through so much that it would actually turn into like me hysterically crying in public while laughing at the same time because I know it's not the right setting <laughs> or the right time and I'm like still working in that moment, but I'm also like cracking up and crying. And that happened far too many times to even count, but it wasn't really until I would get home that I would really feel the weight of my stress if I had it or if I was depressed or something. Like, I wouldn't really feel it until I got home because I was just so busy and my my day was so regimented um, because of, like, being a commuter and all the stuff that I was doing on campus with multiple organizations and work and friends and all that that I never really got to feel it until afterward. So... Yeah, I think that my my mental health could have been worse. It wasn't great at all times. Other times I was having a blast, though. Like, it really came in waves and it really depended on what I was going through in my life, uh, both in and outside of school at that time. But it really presented itself in, like, a bi-weekly or once-a-month mental breakdown. And then I'm, like, good in between. (laughs) Like, there's nothing going on in between that. I feel mentally fine. Having a good old time. But then, like, those random moments where I'm just, like, Everything is shit and I'm going insane. And then I would be fine again in a couple days. (laughs) Or maybe even that same day. But I think it also um, manifested itself as being an avoidant person. Um, When I was like, oh, I have to give a big presentation at work. I'm just not going to go. Someone else can, like, we can take it off the schedule. Or if someone else has been working with me on it, they'll do it. Which is really shitty to say and, like, totally fucked up way to, like, interact with people. But I'm very avoidant when I get overwhelmed where I'm just like, no, I'm just going to stay home. I'm not even going to deal with it. So there were so many times where I missed out on social activities because I would get so overwhelmed with the process of trying to get home the next day or where am I going to sleep if I hang out with my friends and drink alcohol? Like, where am I going to park my car? All of these things were constantly on my mind being a commuter student at Berkeley that I was truly avoidant in that if I really thought about that too much, which I always do because I'm an overthinker, I would just choose not to go. And I missed out on plenty. I probably missed out on plenty of enjoyable experiences because... I let my mental health get the best of me in those moments and just, like, chose not to participate in something that could have been a really identifiable moment in my time at Cal. That was a very long explanation, but that's kind of where my brain was at during that time. Gotcha. Yeah, and something you said earlier, how you wouldn't realize how affected you were until you came home. That just reminded me. Like, yeah, I didn't even know I was stressed out that first year at Berkeley. So before I started, I weighed 180 pounds. 180 like I was like eating well and I was pretty fit back then but then after the first year of Berkeley I was at 160 I lost 20 pounds like I was that stressed out and I didn't even know about it and also even with like emotions too like I was I like I sort of bottled it almost so like I still remember like towards the end of the first year like I watched this really sad movie and like <laughs> and like I, I remember like crying I was like oh shit like I haven't cried in so long I haven't felt this strong of like an emotion emotional feeling in so long so yeah I definitely could relate to sort of that experience of sort of ignoring it almost until uh, until you know when you come home or until when you're about done with it not good yeah not good um i think my mental health is probably at, at its worst in my first year um and it wasn't because of like the classes being too difficult um it was primarily social And I realized that a lot of people that I had in my life from like my hometown and stuff weren't there or they weren't as easily accessible when I moved to Berkeley. And so like I was really struggling with like not having those people um, there. 
And like how I took care of it isn't necessarily the best way, but it was just like, I, I did definitely, I bottled it up like for the first year. Um, it was definitely something where like, I didn't really address it. I was just like, uh, I'm sad and I don't know why, but I, I definitely knew why. And it was that like, I was missing that social aspect that I was used to. Um, and how I got over it wasn't like through any of the services that Berkeley offered, which they definitely did offer like a lot, like Chen Young Embryo have touched on. It's just that we didn't necessarily take advantage of the system. Um, it was just by like meeting more people. And honestly, like I did that through like applying at the transfer center and like meeting my coworkers and like friends and like spending more time with them and um, being more proactive about just hanging out with like my roommates and being like, hey, let's go do something this weekend. Let's go get food. Let's go play tennis, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess on that note, we should probably end the episode with like one last thing. Like what, you know, what do we want to tell our listeners who haven't transferred yet, but will soon Right. What do we want to let them know about this topic? Mental health, getting adjusted, studying, work, social balance. You know, like for me, like the one one thing that I would like to impart is like, don't be ashamed to seek help, I guess. Like, don't don't be ashamed to seek mental health, like mental health related help. I wish that's something I wish I did. And, you know, it might seem like everyone else is doing really well and like you might be the only one feeling held back that was my case i thought everyone else was adjusting really well hustling and i was like oh man i'm not i'm not hustling fast enough but yeah i mean i I think that's one thing i would probably say it's like you should probably you know if you think you need to seek help as soon as possible like one thing i i've realized from i'm I'm studying for the LSAT right now as some of you may know and I didn't realize how important a factor mental health was and your ability to understand and do well in academic settings. Like mental health, so important, especially if you want to study well. So yeah, that's something I would definitely emphasize on for listeners. My piece of advice, especially like, uh, we, 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 we like lightly touched on it, but like when you're a transfer student, you only get two years. Um, people that are coming into it with like COVID, like I'm, I'm so like, that fucking sucks. Like you spend however long at your JC to transfer and regardless of your expectations, like it's not what you expected, right? Like you're not in person, you don't, you're missing the social aspect. You're missing the academic aspect of like, you know, being on your college campus or whatever. Um, but my piece of advice in general is just like, get as involved as you possibly can. I wish I had joined like our transfer center staff earlier. I wish I had applied to more clubs. I wish I, I wish I just met more people, um, not even like to build a professional network, but just, you know, I'm a fairly social person. I enjoy talking to others and learning more about them. And that's definitely something I regretted was not getting as involved as I should have. Um, I guess my advice would just be to actually feel your feelings. Cause I guess in my scenario I didn't, and I didn't allow myself to, and I just kept going until I'd crash. Um, and that was pretty much a very frequent occurrence in that like I would have good, uh, two good weeks or I think I would. And then like one scenario would tip me over the edge and it would be all the stress that I didn't know that I had been feeling and, um, pushing back all along would uprise. So feel your feelings when you feel them. It's okay to be stressed. Um, also understanding that it's probably only like two to three years. Um, and I know that that's kind of glossing over the experience, but it is also, it's temporary and that something that 
I always had to remind myself it's like it's not the end of the world and if it is like this is a very like short-term experience I'll be done with this in a couple of months or in a year or something and that college is supposed to be stressful and it sucks and that's not necessarily the best advice but it's true that college isn't a breeze you're working really really hard and if you're experiencing a lot of um extracurriculars or getting involved on campus or you have a active social life kind of like we all were talking about today you're going to be stressed it is 100% unavoidable and if you try to avoid it you'll have breakdowns like me so in order to avoid those feel your feelings when you feel them acknowledge them validate them talk about them with your friends or with your your networks if that's your friends your peers your family whatever a therapist if you seek out resources um, from the college or elsewhere but it's important, especially as a young adult, to identify with the feelings that you experience and to live them and to experience them. And that's something that I'm learning now that would have been useful to know when I was in college. I guess, like, my advice kind of has to do with, like, somewhat being kind to yourself. But just know that, like, transferring is a process. And even when you get here, like, you've worked so hard to get to this point. But even then, like, you're going to make mistakes. I know I did. But, like, make those mistakes, take responsibility of the fact that you make mistakes, but also, like, take ownership of the solutions to get those, like, mistakes fixed. And also, like, I know I've had a gazillion moments where I'm like, I can't do this. I'm going to quit. This pre-med shit is not for me. But, like, I know, like, it just, if I quit now, I'm going to be back to the point, like, where I started. And when I started, like, my first semester at USC, I was desperately wishing to be in my last semesters, which is where I am now. So, like, if you are feeling, like, so overwhelmed to where you want to quit, don't do not do it. Just push through because it'll be worth it at the end. It's kind of like having, like, a good mindset to where, like, the path of success most definitely begins with having a good mindset and, like, that good mindset grows into like a routine and at the end it culminates into like an act of faith in yourself if that makes any sense so just like be kind to yourself be kind to others and it's gonna work out okay everybody we hope you enjoyed our eighth episode of the transfer experience uh we want to thank Gigi again uh, she said her finals are in two weeks i was not aware of that thank you for taking time even though you said you spent three weeks studying for an exam and you somehow recorded with us today that's fucking wild yeah thank you so um, much Gigi. yeah thank you so much for helping us out um we hope you guys learned something about what ex- our experiences were like at a university as a transfer student um, if you have any questions, please send them to our Instagram at the transfer experience, or you can email it to us at our Gmail at the transfer experience at gmail.com. Yeah. And, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and help us hit 50 ratings on Apple podcast. And yeah, so I think that was it. Bye, everyone. Bye.